MoreLikeRadio.com. It's our duty to entertain you. <laughs> I said duty. To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. I blame this all on Kevin, DMU. Has anyone ever known a good person named Kevin? We, we hung out with, with Kevin from Alcohol by Volume. He only says like three words. He, he's like really shy. He really talked to me. Towards the end of the night when he was drinking more, man, he, he was he was right there with us talking a mile a minute. Alcohol by Volume? I'm actually kind of drunk. Alcohol by Volume, awesome show. You really want to get drunk? <laughs> Listen to that show. Because by hour two, he's blitzed. I'll bet. Oh, it's awesome. Because it's a beer show. Kevin, some stupid kid. Weird one. Polish last name. Yeah. Where's your dedication there, Kevin? Your own show or someone else's? Alcohol by Volume. Alcohol by Volume. I shove alcohol in my butthole. That's not it? It's nothing to do with butthole. I mean, can you even get drunk anymore? It's kind of like a drinking a vitamin food, right? So you're blaming the drunker. Yes, I'm blaming the MLR drunker, Kevin. Hello, bartender. I have thought it over, and far from being a fat pig, you are very nice. And I would like another drink. Take a barf, drunkie! Welcome to Alcohol by Volume. It is Tuesday, October 1st. Yes, it is fucking October. So now you can really bust into those pumpkin beers if you've been holding off. If you would like to Skype in, the Skype name is Alcohol by Volume, all one word. Or you can call the phone number 862-345-7125. That's 862-ALCOHOL. Check out what we're talking about in the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. And of course, you can also like the new alcohol by volume Facebook page, facebook.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. Um, as I mentioned last week, the page itself is going to be more of a direct companion to the show. Links to stories that I discuss on the show, uh, stuff like that. The group is going to be kind of more free flowing. You know, feel free to post memes and random shit like that in there. And of course, as you should all be doing already, download all the great shows on More Like Radio, either from iTunes, just look up More Like Radio, go to morelikeradio.com slash downloads, and also on morelikeradio.org. And then the final little bit of business is the alcohol by volume beer tasting list at tinyurl.com slash ABV beer tasting. It's an open Google spreadsheet. Add your beers on there, rate them, let us know what you thought of them. There are actually a few that I picked up this past weekend that I am going to have to rate on there. One that I am actually drinking right now, it is the, I think this is new, I don't think this was around before, from Fort Collins Brewing, Out of the Ashes, it's their take on a rock beer, Um, and for those that don't remember what a rock beer is, it's pretty much a smoked beer. The aroma and the flavor will remind you perhaps of bacon, a little bit of smokiness kind of thing there, Um, and one, one that I've praised and praised before is and let's see if I can botch the name or get it right the first time Eicht Schlenkerla Rock Beer I actually got it right that's probably my favorite one if you're able to find that not too expensive maybe like $5.99 a bottle totally worth it um, that one it may be a little bit strong if you're not used to that heavy smokiness this one from Fort Collins 
is a little bit more subdued. You're still getting a lot of that smoky flavor, but it doesn't hit you over the head like the Eichschlingkurla does. Not saying the not saying the German one is bad, but the German one is not an entry level rock beer. I would say, although I'm you know I'm kind of a little bit more ballsy when it comes to things like that. But this one, definitely good. 22-ounce bottle. Uh, I have not been able to find the actual alcohol by volume of this anywhere. Uh, going by the general flavor and everything, I'd, I'd wager it's maybe like around a 6, something like that. So, Okay, uh, so this past weekend, I was at the Big Brew Beer Fest in Morristown, New Jersey. It was there on uh, Saturday at the Morristown Armory. Now, for you long-time listeners of the show, I say long-time, I mean, come on, the show started at the end of January, there was a previous Big Brew Beer Fest, and it was actually the first one that these organizers had held, and it was, I don't know, maybe, I want to say around March or so, and I, I, I ranted on about it pretty good because they were not very well organized. What had happened was we were waiting out in line in the very freezing cold, and I think I'm trying to remember if I even had a jacket or a hoodie or nothing. I I think it was it was one of those evenings where you did not expect the weather to get that cold. We were wrapped around the building, all freezing our asses off, waiting to get in. There was a fear that we were actually not going to get in before the end of the event. Thankfully, that didn't happen but they had ticketing issues, they had bathroom capacity issues. It was it was a mess. It was very clear that it was their first time doing it back then. Flash forward now to this past Saturday. What they did to improve upon things, first of all, instead of just trying to cram everybody into one session, I, th- I think the previous one was it lasted from 4 to 8 p.m., and honestly, I don't think the last one. I don't think we got in until maybe six thirty, seven o'clock. This one, they decided to hold two different sessions: one at one o'clock, and I believe one at six o'clock. Each one also had advanced VIP tickets, so you could get in an hour early. Had some special beer and food pairing stuff like that. I didn't shell out for the VIP tickets because I'm a cheap fuck, and I figured I'm just there for the beer. But. Uh, we, we, um, and when I say we, it was me, my father-in-law and my wife, my wife was playing designated driver for a nice $10 ticket. And she actually, she had a good time. She, there was, uh, there was some local food vendors there that had some really good stuff. I'll get into that in a minute. Um, but we, we did the, the one o'clock session. I figured it was perfect, like nice and early in the day. Um, when we got there, they had multiple ticket lines going, scanned us in and then we just had to wait a little bit to get in for the for the VIP hour to end. I think we had gotten there maybe around, I don't know, 12.30, 12.45. So we, we waited maybe about 15 minutes probably. And once 1 o'clock rolled around, they let us in. We go right up to the beers, um, start going through. Um, the, the one, the one um, I could say it's a little criticism, and this this is... A very minor point. The, uh, what the the Garden State Brew Fest that I've gone to the past couple years. With that one, they give you a glass uh, uh, sample, like um, 
a glass sample glass, not a plastic sample glass for sampling your beers. Now, that one's a much smaller festival. Uh, you're outside. You know, you're under a tent kind of thing. If you drop the glass, it's not going to shatter. This is inside the Morristown Armory. People were dropping their cups. And I can only imagine that if they were glass. Yeah, it makes sense. So uh, it was a logical decision on their part. Um, you know, not choosing glass over plastic. The only thing I would have wished is that they had made the little beer mug different from the previous one. It was the exact same one. I like to collect shit like that. I like it to be different from year to year. But, yeah, that, that's a very, very, very minor criticism. Like I said, it was, it was much, much more smooth this time. It, you, didn't feel as packed in there. It, it got crowded, but it didn't feel as suffocating as last time. I was going to shoot some video there, shoot myself with each drink until the point where I just you know couldn't handle my camera anymore. But honestly, it was just too loud to get anything really usable there. I was I was going to try and get some sounders from some of the some of the uh, brewery rep- representatives there, and it it just did not work out in that particular way that I wanted it to. And not a, not a big deal. I mean, you know, what, what, you know, I would have gotten, you know, hi, I'm Joe from a brewing. You're listening to alcohol by volume. And that, that would have been about it. One neat thing about them holding it at this time of the year. And I don't know if they're going to try and do two a year now, or if they're going to go forward and hold them in September each year. But being this time of the year, there were a shitload of pumpkin beers that, each brewery had going some that I had had before some that I hadn't um, and we actually got spoiled uh, shipyard was near the entrance so that was the first pumpkin beer that I had there and it was the smash pumpkin my father-in-law tried it and he's like well that, that's like pumpkin pie that is what a good pumpkin beer will kind of you know taste like for you uh, that nice balance of pumpkin pie flavors and every pumpkin beer that came after, and my, my wife basically said, you, you know, you have to make it a mission to drink every pumpkin beer here. And I, I think I pretty much did. Uh, I lost count after probably about five. But uh, the Smash Pumpkin spoiled it for the rest of us, or for the rest of them, because n- none of the other ones, um, with the exception of, wait, well, I'm trying to remember if Weyerbacher, if I had Weyerbacher, see, I don't even remember. But um, I know Weyerbacher's is fucking delicious. But the Smash Pumpkin was far and away the best pumpkin beer they had there. Uh, it, and with that one, even my wife smelled it. And normally, if I have her take a whiff of my beer, even you know, if I think it's something that you know has a particularly you know coffee-like scent or a chocolate scent or a fruity scent, nine times out of ten, she's just like, "Ugh, I, I just smell beer." Ugh. This time, she smelled all the spices from the Smash Pumpkin. Every subsequent pumpkin beer, she wasn't getting anything out of it. She was either just getting beer or she was almost getting nothing out of it. Some of the pumpkin beers just were almost no pumpkin at all. It was very, very strange with some. I, it's, if, if you know, if, if I had the capability to actually log everything I was drinking, I would have. But I hadn't really eaten anything during the day, and by I don't know, by maybe about one thirty, I was pretty well in my element there um they had let's see they had alcohol infused cigars there a vendor selling those 
Uh, my wife said no, which, you know, whatever, I'm an ex-smoker, so I can I kind of understand that a little bit. Um, I kept prodding her, trying. I'm like, so I can get that cigar now, right? And nope. Uh, how about that cigar? Nope. So uh, another different thing they had this time around, they um, had Jersey Artisan Distilling. I can't remember if I have talked about them on the show or not, but they're remarkable in the respect that they're the first new distillery to open in New Jersey since Prohibition. If anybody wants to check them out, especially local people, they are at Jersey uh, JerseyArtisanDistilling.com. They had a couple samples of their rum there, their light rum and their dark rum. And I believe the dark rum isn't actually even out on the market yet. It's supposed to be releasing this month, but had the light and the dark. Both of them very, very smooth, especially the light. The, the light was... Sometimes, sometimes when you when you drink rum, you get that shiver. This time, I just got that nice, warm feeling. It was fucking fantastic. I'm, I'm gonna have to keep a lookout for them. I know the light rum or the silver rum, whatever. Uh, that one released in the middle of August, and they actually these to show you how new these people are. They got their license in late January of this year, so very, very new. I mean, they they pretty much started up. Uh, well, around the same time my show did, you know, nice coincidence there. And if you're looking out for it, it's called Busted Barrel Rum. They're actually also planning on offering vodka, gin, bourbon, and whiskey within the next couple of years. I know, I think it was the bourbon and whiskey they were saying, uh, like sometime in 2015, the vodka and gin probably next year. But if you want to check them out, jerseyartisandistilling.com. Uh, the, the guy that gave me the samples, really, really nice guy. I made sure to get his business card. Might be might be a cool guy to have call into the show if he if he has the time. Um, just just to go over the whole process of how they got, you know, how they got started with it. Uh, what you know, what inspired them to start it, you know, especially, like I said, the first new distillery in New Jersey since Prohibition. That's kind of a big deal. Hello, Marianne. Marianne enters the chat. And I don't know if you saw on WhatsApp, Marianne, but if you need to sell turnips, my gates are open. You know, people will understand that, right? Uh, Some of the stuff that I bought this past weekend, I finally, finally made it to the ShopRite Wines and Spirits out here to do a pick a six pack, which I actually have not done in a, quite a while, probably probably since before, and there, there's a reason I mentioned this, probably before the um, Red's Strawberry Apple Ale came out. Um, but uh, you know what? I actually just remembered something, something I teased with the Beer Fest. Before I get into the Red Strawberry Apple Ale, the food at the Beer Fest. Some of the local businesses there... Uh, Again, anybody that's local in New Jersey, you may be familiar with the Morris Tap and Grill, Nicole's Ten, which I believe is in Randolph. Um, there's there's a small little plaza right before uh, the plaza with Staples and Kmart. I know if anybody in New Jersey has traveled on Route Ten, you know exactly where I'm talking about. Um, we got some food from Nicole's Ten, and they were pulled pork sliders with their homemade root beer barbecue sauce. And there was like a, some kind of like, uh, some kind of slaw on top of the pulled pork as well. 
Now, I'm not normally a slaw person. I am not a fan of coleslaw. I'm not a fan of cabbage, basically. But the slaw on top of the pulled pork, texture, fucking beautiful. The taste of the pulled pork with that barbecue sauce, root beer barbecue sauce, fucking fantastic. And I guess I'm stealing Dark Fox's word of fantastic. Um, so had a couple of those. And then, of course, I could not pass up the fried cheese curds from the cow and the curd. For anybody that follows me on Instagram, and I may have actually posted this on Facebook too, I'm not 100% certain. I know it went on Twitter at least, but there was a picture of me dipping one of the cheese curds in uh, the dip of sriracha mayo. So fucking good. I know that was, that was, uh, that was what we in the, uh, in the diet and uh, calorie counting community, of which I am back on the wagon, call a cheat day. And actually, uh, since I ran a 5K in the morning, and uh, fucking the organizers of that 5K fucked it up. I don't think they marked things out properly. I'm not going to get into that because I think I've probably bitched about them before. But so I ran. I ran in the morning, so it at least burned off some, and I didn't eat breakfast or lunch, so that probably helped me there. So. Uh, when I weighed myself this past Monday, I had actually lost about three pounds over the past two weeks. So, yay for me. Yeah, I know you guys don't give a shit. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, the red strawberry apple ale. I finally got to try it in part of my pick a six pack. And uh, I like it a lot more than the regular reds. The regular reds, for some reason to me, comes across as... I, I don't get any beer taste out of it, and I get almost too sickly sweet a cider flavor. Um, I like cider, but for some reason, the regular red just doesn't do it for me. The red strawberry apple ale, I like strawberry, and this one seemed a lot more balanced with everything. Uh, the apple flavor wasn't as in the forefront, obviously, so... Um, <laughs> And she says, didn't know your body had more to lose, you drunk twink. Uh, believe me, over over the past probably, I don't know, maybe like three, four months or so. And this this is gonna sound this is gonna sound so fucking gay. But I I had gained like anywhere between ten and fifteen pounds, and I wasn't not very pleased with that. I know that's not a lot in the grand scheme of things. But there, there was a point I was down to about 160, 159, and you know, a few weeks ago I, you know, was on the scale and it said like 179, ugh, and it, it, it was snacking. It was fucking snacking. Well, snacking and the beer. The beer doesn't help either. But um, I've, I've, I've been counting my calories. I've been, I've been rationing my beers. I've been watching the food, and I've been running like 15 fucking miles over the course of a week, so that'll do it too, and yeah, I, I like weigh myself every couple of weeks, and I somehow managed to lose just about three pounds over the course of two weeks, so I may actually uh, be down, you know, 10 pounds by Thanksgiving. That would that would make me happy. That would make me happy. I mean, I, I know I'm not, I'm not making, I'm not, well, yeah, I'm not making, you know, vast progress like Punchy is. Punchy's kicking ass. You know, speaking, I know on uh, Punchy's last podcast on uh, By The Way, uh, which is available at bytheway.podomatic.com, I believe, uh, he talked a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the, the DDP yoga he's been doing and, you know, some of the, 
you know, food stuff and everything. And I, I thought Punchy did a hell of a job. So if you like Punchy on the various shows that he's on on MLR, download that. Uh, by the way, dot potomatic.com, I believe. If, if you want to correct me if I'm wrong there, Punchy, uh, go for it in the chat. And if you're not in the chat, morelikeradio.com slash live. Oh, okay. Punchy's got it. By the way, podcast.podomatic.com. So check that out. Um, I'm actually going to be on uh, the next one here. Ha ha. Um, so yeah, the red strawberry apple ale, like that, a lot better than the regular. I also found the Guinness Seasonal, the Red Harvest Ale. Mitch found it before me and uh, took a nice picture of the can. Uh, we both were pretty much of the same mind with it. Not as good as regular Guinness, a lot lighter feeling. It's not bad, but it's not necessarily anything special either. Um, I think I still have one can left in the fridge, and I'm I'm glad I tried it. It's one of those things, you know, you don't see a lot of seasonals from Guinness. Nothing terribly remarkable, though. I'll stick with regular Guinness draft. Um, it's nice that it came in cans with the widget, so you're getting that nice, um, you know, nitro push out of it. And then I also picked up some uh, pumpkin beers in my pick a six pack and let me see uh i got a few of them down here with me uh jaw jacker and if you want to look this up it's from arcadia ales the, the label's pretty good it's a well it's a jack-o'-lantern with giant bloody teeth uh then i also got well this isn't pumpkin but it's you know seasonal uh yingling oktoberfest and then ichabod from new holland brewing out of michigan and I know I have uh, another pumpkin one from, I think, uh, Thomas Creek Brewing. Still have that up in the fridge. And, of course, I've you know got the Out of the Ashes here. And I also picked up uh, the brewery's 2013 release of Tart of Darkness. It's a sour stout. I drank it last night when finally watching the finale of Breaking Bad. And it, it was it, it, it was nice. It was kind of it was almost kind of like a fine red wine in in a way it had that that well you know speaking of wine i will be hopefully you know getting into some wine today uh it 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 had that that fruity bitterness kind of that you get in, I, i'm not describing it very well but it had it had that you know nice sourness nice tartness i don't think i had ever had a sour stout before although According to um, Untapped, I have had Tart of Darkness before. I just don't remember it. But I know this year's entry was a little bit different, too. $20 bottle. So, But I enjoyed it pretty good and enjoyed Breaking Bad. I'm not going to give any spoilers for anybody that still has not yet watched it. But a fitting end to an amazing series. Uh, let me take a chug here of the Roch beer. Getting a little tidbits here and there. Stone Brewing, they released their new Stone Mix 12-pack, including four varieties of their year-round beers. I'm not a big Stone guy. You know, I, I, I tend to think they're more hype than great beers. Um, I, I've, I've had, you know, I've had their Arrogant Bastard before. I've had, um, fuck, what are the other ones? I ha- I've had Stone Levitation. Um, I haven't tried the IPAs because I am not... You know, a masochist like that. Well, the first edition of this included the Oak Derrigant Bastard, Stone Levitation Ale, Stone IPA, and the reason 
I'm even talking about this, was a typoed on the box, not on the bottle itself, Stone Ruination IPA, or as on the box it said, Runination. Um, I think I, yeah, I got a image of it here, which I will post in the chat. So that is how the box went out. Now they caught it before shipping, but they didn't want to scrap 50,000 boxes. I can understand that. They added a note in the box to show that they'd rather look dumb than trash the environment. Okay. Yeah. You can you know say environmental concerns all you want. Of course, money has to be consideration for that too. If I had just made 50,000 boxes, and I don't know how much each one costs to print, but you know that's a good chunk of change there, especially for you know a craft brewery. And uh, yeah, so I, th- I think it was more money than environmental concerns, but it, it could be worse. I, I've, seen, I've seen worse typos out there on manufactured products. Across the street from my house, there is an MMA training facility. And it's called uh, like Trinity Training Facility or something like that. On the sign, they have like the um, like the decals on the window, so it says like you know Trinity, Trinity MMA or whatever. But then the sign above the storefront, because it's like in a strip mall, Trinity is misspelled, has two N's, and training is misspelled. They have it spelled as Trining, T R I N I N G. That sign has been up there for probably, a, well, I've been in this house for about five, well, a little over five years now. That sign's been up there for at least three years. And to me, it makes them look pretty fucking stupid. But well, I guess if they don't have the money to do a new sign, yeah, whatever. Um, and then the last little tidbit I got before getting into pure topic. There have apparently been a slew of mysterious user bannings on Beer Advocate. Uh, in fact, at this past weekend, some some very and I, I don't really I don't really get into the communities on there. I mean I barely even dip into the beer community on Reddit. But um this past weekend they exiled some very um, respected members of that community, and you know people that you know frequently gave good reviews and stuff like that. Or not not saying you know everything they rated was good. Uh, you know they gave quality reviews of you know different beers and everything. And some of the reasoning given in you know some cases of the users, oh they were trolling us, huh? No evidence or anything. So I got this from a Reddit thread. Um, and this this was actually kind of a... Uh, somebody trying to promote their own site, which... Um, let's see. Uh, beertrading.org. So another another community site, like message board kind of thing. But um, this is what he posted here. Attention beer lovers. As you may have noticed in recent days, many Beer Advocate user accounts have been banned or terminated by Todd and Jason Alstrom. Now, if you guys don't know Todd and Jason Alstrom... They tend to have a reputation in the beer community for being a couple of, well, there's really no delicate way I can put it. They're, they're a couple of assholes. Uh, the, the types that are too cool for the room, I know more about beer than you kind of guys. Uh, 
Now, I try and enlighten you guys with you know, different things about beer, different bits of knowledge, news stories and whatnot. I will never, you know, lord over you guys like, I know beer better than you. No, no, no. No, I'm learning right along with the rest of you half the time. So anyway, uh, been banned, terminated by Todd and Jason Allstrom with the help of other members of the moderation team. There have been many posts about it in different areas of the beer community, including Rate Beer, Reddit, Facebook, Beer Advocate, and others. Uh, I'm here to clear up a few points. First, Beer Advocate has long been a place where people come together to share a common interest in beer. That website has provided a place for people to talk about beer and ask questions. However, in recent months, the quality of content has been sharply declining. This is a result of knowledgeable and kind people being thrown out of the community for reasons unknown. The bros will tell you, and if you see the ratings on Beer Advocate, you, know, you have the bros rating. Uh, the bros will tell you these users were banned for trolling, but that is not the case. These users would keep a light spirit about beer while still contributing in a meaningful way. Contained in this group of exiled Beer Advocate members are some of the most knowledgeable people in craft beer from all over the country. The people being banned are some of the most generous contributors and nicest members of the craft beer community. So, apparently, I mean, I I have not seen anything from Todd or Jason Alstrom trying to push back against this, trying to refute it. There's a there's a great uh, actually the, the top comment on this post on Reddit. Um, and yes, Mitch, I know you know beer better than me. Fuck you, queer. Uh, the top comment on here the guy says my friend and I run a relatively popular New England beer blog oh good for you I have an internet radio show uh, we saw one of the brothers at a pumpkin beer fest in Boston we didn't actually know uh, he was one of them until he told us his name we originally were commenting on his band Hatter shirt we introduced ourselves and asked him if he had any suggestions for which beer to try next and then went on our way the whole rest of the night, if he saw us, he would pass patronizing comments on how we were taking tasting notes, and it was really humiliating and unprovoked. It's not like we were obnoxiously doing it. We'd go sit at a side table or you know, down out of the way spot, and we'd get, aw, rookies taking notes, cute, and stuff like that. Person commented back at that, said, had to have been Todd. I hear Jason isn't as much of a raging, raging douchebag. If it makes you feel better, most brewers, breweries that interact with them think that they're asshats. So, if you're ever at a festival and you see Todd or Jason Alstrom, you're probably fully justified in fucking kicking him in the dick and, you know, walking away. Because apparently they're assholes. Hey, Sherry. And hey, Mitch, I already kind of said hi to you. Um, so, you know, d- done with that beer advocate stuff. I, I don't involve myself in that community. For the most part, I go there to see some you know general ideas about a beer that i may be interested in trying um information on it as to where the brewery's from you know we use those beer advocate links in uh the uh the abv beer tasting list maybe uh untapped doesn't have the alcohol level the beer beer advocate does you know i i go through all slew of sites with that so uh I feel guilty actually going to the site sometimes just because I know those guys are raging douchebags, but you got to think that, that, that happens in a lot of online communities. I mean, shit, look, I mean, look, look at our online community. I mean, fucking hammy. What the fuck is his problem? I don't know. Um, most, most online communities I have been a part of have self-destructed 
give it enough time. So it, it happens. And apparently it's Beer Advocate's time for that to happen. So with that, I'm going to get into the topic at hand for this week. And given how much I actually kind of prepped for this, um, I think it'll probably carry me through to break, which is pretty nice. I am going to talk, and I, it makes me glad that Sherry is in the chat tonight. I am going to talk about wine. I do not have wine on me tonight because I am a bad drunk and I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't pick up any wine. I, mainly because I, I didn't really, I didn't really know what to look for. And as I was doing my research, I maybe got a little bit of a better idea. For, for me, it's always been, I like, I like red wines better than white wines, but there are some white wines I do like. Um, there was a period when I was like going to wineries and stuff. Uh, I, I went to Napa Valley years ago. Shit. Um, let's see. How long have I been with my wife? Um, we started dating in 2003. So holy fuck. 10 years. Jesus Christ. Um, so it must have been maybe 12, 13 years ago. Went to Napa Valley with my ex. Um, and, uh, wait, I, I should probably be nicer. She might be listening. Um, but uh, went to Napa Valley, went to the you know wineries out there and everything. Fucking fantastic! And like Sherry said, we're double dating to Napa Valley. I so want to go back there because even even though my wife is not a drinker, I think she would still enjoy going out to wine country. It's fucking beautiful out there, just the experience. But you know, went went to the wineries out there and everything. Um, and in fact, you know, um, from what I remember of it, um, and. My, my memory sucks, even on the best of times. There was one winery. <laughs> Shut up, Mitch. Napa for car parts. Um, one winery I remember, and this this was kind of weird because they were more or less stationed in a storefront somewhere within town, and went in there, and they were doing samples and everything, which, which was great, and. We we were on one of those like bus tours through the wineries, and I think this was actually our last stop. So we were we were buzzing pretty good from the previous stops. So we're at this one, and one of the women on the tour was going to be buying a few bottles. And this was when the credit card machine there decided to go completely fucked. Something happened with it, and at the same something happened with the receipt part of it too just went completely fucked the poor woman working at this winery is on the phone with the support company for the credit card machine and everything trying to work it out the entire time while she's dealing with this not losing her composure at all she just keeps pouring us more and more drinks normally at these winery tours they kind of have a set limit from what i've seen that they give you this time no 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 because she felt guilty about keeping everybody waiting, she just kept the drinks coming. And we were we were pretty pretty good after that. Um I don't even think I, I, I don't think we actually bought any bottles on that tour just for the fact of, you know, trying to trying to trying to bring them all back. I mean this this was if um uh, yeah, I, I think yeah. This this that had to have been post nine eleven, I think. Could be wrong though. Could be wrong because I mean I moved out here in ninety nine. 
Uh, I don't remember. Like I said, my memory's fucking bad. But uh, I know I've gone to at least a couple wineries out here. I know one in Pennsylvania and I think one in New Jersey. One that I went to in Pennsylvania, and this is just all the preface for, you know, getting into the, the wine talk, uh, you know, kind of showing my limited experience with it. It was actually a more or less field trip sponsored by my job back when the university I work at used to do stuff like that for the staff. Um, a bunch of us piled on a bus and went to this winery and they were doing a tour and then we all sat around this table um, pretty much like, you know, downstairs where they had the big vats and everything and giving us tastings and everything. And it wasn't just your, you know, regular, you know, peon staff members like me. You know, the provost was there. You know, you had, you know, some administrators and stuff like that. And in fact, like a couple of the administrators were getting a little bit tipsy and actually getting in trouble from um, from the uh, the winemakers because they were making too much noise while they were trying to explain everything. The one thing I really, really remember about that winery tour was that at that point of the season, they had this one wine that I think it technically qualified as, as a dessert wine, and I, I used to be huge into, into dessert wines at one point. I mean, I had a... Oh, fuck. I, I'm trying to remember the, the, the style. Um, small bottle dessert wine. You could actually pour this fucking thing over ice cream. It, it had a syrupy consistency to it. But anyway, uh, this other one they had there, they actually had it served two different ways. They had it served chilled, and they had it served heated up. Fucking stuff tasted like apple pie. I wish I remembered what winery this was. It had to have been around autumn that they were doing this just because it had that festive kind of feel. So fucking good. If any of my listeners know what winery in Pennsylvania I might be talking about, let me know. Post it on the Facebook group, morelikeradio.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at MLR underscore alcohol. I would really like to know what winery that was. I've completely forgotten, and I'm too lazy to really try and search through them. You know, at least I admit it. Uh, how much I got left in this bottle? A little bit left. Okay. So, wine. I guess I can give you some kind of textbooky definitions here. This is, of course, from Wikipedia because Wikipedia would never steer me wrong. Wine is an alcoholic beverage made from fermented grapes or other fruits. The natural chemical balance of grapes lets them ferment without the additions of sugars, acids, enzymes, water, or other nutrients. Think about how beer is brewed in comparison. Um, wine has more going for it natively. You know, the grapes have more going for it natively than beer does. Beer, you got you got to, you know, add your shit together. Wine, just kind of, you know, the grapes do it. The grapes do it themselves. And, whoa, almost knocked my bucket over. Point, uh, note to self, do not put foot on ice bucket. Okay, uh, yeast consumes the sugars in the grapes, converts them into alcohol and carbon dioxide. Now, kind of like you have, well... I guess it's a little bit different in beer because, I mean, you have your different uh, malt varieties, different hops varieties that are not necessarily hard and fast rules to create different styles of beer, whereas with wine, it's different. Um, 
And uh, yes, Marianne, you can do that. I, 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 my, my gates are open. I'm still talking Animal Crossing. <laughs> Buy more turnips. Buy more turnips. Um, so different varieties of grapes and strains of yeasts will produce different styles of wine. Um, the well-known variations that result from the complex interactions between the biochemical development of the fruit, reactions involved in fermentation, and human intervention in the overall process. So basically, how the fruit is grown can influence the wine, the fermentation process, and the situation in which it occurs can affect the wine, and then any human intervention that is you know messing with the grapes can affect the wine. Now, it's not just about grapes. Wines can be made from you know other fruits or other products other than grapes. Usually they're named after said fruit or product. You, you know, your white rice wine, elderberry wine, stuff like that. The reason grapes are the big wine producer is because most other fruits lack that high amount of fermentable sugars. So grape wine is, it, it's easier, simply easier to do it because you don't have to fuck with it as much. Um, it's a beverage with a rich history. I mean, look at Bible stories if you're into that kind of thing. The earliest known creation of wine occurred in 5000 BC in what's now Iran, 6000 BC in Georgia, uh, it was also common in ancient Greece, Rome, etc. There are visual references all over the place. Um, oh no, oh no! I'm I'm, I'm going to click on this link in the chat, and I'm scared about it, so I'm lowering my volume. Okay, let's see what this is. Um, because, uh, assuming that it, okay, yeah, that that it, that is Mitch. Mitch posted this in the chat. And I'm very frightened of this. It's entitled Sweet Berry Wine. I've never seen this before. Um, oh, son of a... You know, it helps if you unmute Chrome, Kev. Jesus fucking Christ. I'm a professional. And now the only married news team in the Tri-County area, Jan and Wayne Schuyler, oh, with special God. news correspondent Dr. Steve Rule. I love all kinds of drinks, and especially wine. Well, that makes one of us, because I can't even get near the stuff because of my interior rash. And red wine is the worst for my sores. I didn't know that, Ew. Jan. Well. Why didn't you say something when I poured you a glass last night? Because I sit with it. <laughs> oh, what a treat. We've got a very special guest. Dr. <laughs> Steve Rule is up in wine country. He's going to show us a thing or two about the differences between different kinds of wine. Steve? <laughs> hey, Jenny, hey, Wayne. I don't even like wine, but guess what? You're going to like it. I need some cheese. <laughs> Steve, what kind of wine is that you're drinking? I can't see, hon. Sweet berry wine! <laughs> I'm supposed to spit it out. <laughs> but no way, Jose, am I spitting this stuff out? It tastes like fruit. <laughs> wine was invented by the Romans. For orgies. <laughs> orgies are not too much fun if no one wants to do with you. Oh, my Mike, God. you want to check let's on Steve real wine. quick? Tell him how it tastes, Steve. All right, let's do it. Steve? This is how I used to drink wine. Steve, are you okay over there? There's all kinds of other wines. 
peanut nor? <laughs> we got all different kinds, and that's our zero. And that's your zero rule for your wine. Come here, Jenny. Jenny. Did I save you some wine? Let's make a dance. Like He's not around. He Holy shit, this, this is like... Jenny! This is like me, like... The second half of some shows. Oh, yep, okay, I'm puking. That, that's, that's me too. What goes in the hole comes out of the hole. Oh, if you've ever puked up red wine, not fun. Oh, it hurts. Your body's rejecting it. Oh, dear God. I'm sorry. Oh, God, that was me too. Just need a sandwich or something. Let's get I don't want to go home. Okay, that's it for Dr. Steve. He's going to take the rest of it. Get out of here. Mike Travel! Oh, dear God. See, I see him out! What? Fear health! This is what you do. You drink too much wine. I I think I I worry that this is how you guys see me. I think I understand it all now. If you guys ever have an intervention for me, I think I'll understand entirely. For your health. (sighs) Thank you for that, Mitch. That was that was wonderful. Like Sherry says, she can only have one glass of red wine, or she'll wake up in the morning with a headache. That I I can drink bottle after bottle after bottle of beer, and for the most part, I'm good. If I have Maybe two glasses of red wine. I'm fucked the next morning. I hate that. Uh, red wine is consistent hangover material for me. What was it? What was it? Mitch Hedberg said like the the uh, the bit with red wine. Um, his friend that doesn't drink red wine because he gets a hangover. Excuse me, the hangover the next day. Well, yeah, but the beginning and the middle parts are excellent. So. That's kind of how I feel. And white wine, I I got to find a style of white wine that I really like. That's the problem I've had with that. And Sherry says, white wine, she can have two and a half, if not three bottles to herself. Um, and what, yeah, white wine, white wine never gave me those hangovers. I don't know what it is with the red wine. And I probably should research that, but, you know, whatever, you know. Um so you know, um, I'll, I'll give you I'll give you guys an image here, um, because I was talking about the the visual references on storage jars and pottery and stuff like that. Ooh, okay. Uh, Sherry has, or and I'm sorry, Mitch. Damn it, names are confusing me already. Mitch is saying Riesling Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, Sherry says start with Starling Cali. Uh, yeah, fuck, Starling Castle Riesling. I will check that out. Oh, the Guinness of the wine world. Okay, I, I can get behind that. Um, and you know what? I'm actually writing that down because, knowing me, I won't remember shit. Starling Castle Riesling. Yeah, because I mean, like, um, one of the one of the liquor stores I go to here, Bottle King, very very big on wine there. Um, hey, wait, that's not me. Somebody in the chat is being me. Uh, very confused by that, because I almost thought I typed that. I didn't understand what was happening. <sighs> I'll ignore that for now. But uh, thank you, Sherry, for posting that bottle. So I'll keep a lookout for that. 
Um, oh, fuck, what the, what I was posting, one of the visual references, um, this, this is a wine boy at a symposium. I think Mitch might like this one. Um, so that's, that's a wine boy at the symposium, which may also be evidence of the Sanzari family line. Um, so the English word wine comes from the Proto-German, yeah, German, god damn it, I haven't drank that much tonight. Proto-Germanic winum, an early borrowing from the Latin vinum, wine or grapevine. I'm not going to go really any further into that. It's only interesting to linguistic majors. Uh, other wines, such as barley wine and rice wine, like sake. God damn it! <laughs> Who is... Wait. Oh, Mitch, Mitch, Mitch. I thought you liked me, Mitch. Um, so, yeah. Other wines, such as barley wine and rice wine. Sake. If you've never had sake, try it. I really like it. Haven't had it in a while, actually. They're made from starch-based materials. They resemble beer more than they do wine, especially barley wine. I mean, you have your barley wine-style ales. Then you have ginger wine, which is fortified with brandy. In those latter cases, the term wine is referring more to the similarity in alcohol content rather than the production process. Um, and kind of like some other... Um, some other alcoholic beverages, the commercial use of the English word wine and its equivalent in other languages is actually protected by law in many jurisdictions as to what can be sold as wine. Um, for instance, you know, um, is Boone's Farm technically a wine? Because I don't think I'd call that a wine. Um, ooh, another good starter white. I see St. Gabriel Riesling. I'm going to write that down too. Uh, maybe I'll get some bottles of wine for next week. Uh, St. Gabriel. Riesling. Okay. I, I, I used to belong to a goddamn um, wine club where I would get, like, I, I think four different shipments a year. I think they did, they did it, like, in quarters. Um, <laughs> yeah, Boone's Farm is water. <laughs> Yeah, but two bottles for five bucks when you're 15, that'll fuck you up. Um, but I used to belong to a wine club where it would be, if I remember correctly, six bottles of red, six bottles of white, like every three months. It was great. I mean, I, I have a wine rack here and everything, and actually that wine rack, even though they say you're not supposed to store beer on its side, you know, I'm probably going to end up starting to do that, uh, starting to use that for beers, maybe beers and wines. Um, ah, oh, it's in Minnesota. God damn it. It'll bookmark that for later. Wine Haven. Nice. Um, see, I, I, you know, you guys, you guys are teaching me just as much as I'm teaching you. It's, you know, it goes back and forth. Um, so grape varieties and what they mean to wine. This will probably be the last little bit before I head into break today. Um, Wines are usually made from one or more varieties. When one variety is used as the predominant grape, and some laws define this as at least 75 to 85% of the wine, it's called a varietal as opposed to a blended, which, of course, means there's no one predominant blape. Blape? God fucking damn it. Grape in the blend. I was trying to say grape in the blend, and I said blape. 
glad nobody pays attention to this for the fucking botch list at the end of the year. Um, and then, of course, classifications are important. Regulations, they govern what can be called a certain style of wine. Think again, a similarity with beer there. Lambics, they're not as legally stringent with this, but technically they're only from the Pajatin region, or I'm sorry, Pajatin land region of Belgium, also in Brussels. Trappist beers tied to monasteries as opposed to the generically monastic brews, things like that. Um, European wines, they're classified by region, you know, Chianti, Bordeaux, non-European wines, they're more often classified by the grape itself, you got your Merlot, your Pinot Noir, stuff like that. I'll get into those varieties in a little bit, and I know Sherry sent me, um, at least a couple links that are fucking fantastic, one having to do with wine varieties, another that is a, um, uh, wine infographic, which is more visual, but I'll post it in the uh, Facebook page and I'll kind of go over some of the stuff because there is a lot of good information in there and Sherry clearly knows her stuff when it comes to this. Or if she doesn't, she fakes it really, really well. Um, so let's see. With that, you know what? Uh, before I get into vintages and tasting and stuff like that, this is probably a good time for break. I mean, it is 7 o'clock. We're halfway through and everything. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll finish up the wine talk, get into, you know, what has to do with vintages, tasting of wine. I know it can come across as a little snobby, but th- there is a science to it. Um, and subtle individual flavors, just like beer. Collecting wine. People collect beers, people collect wines. Collecting wine seems to be uh, more prevalent, not necessarily... Oh, how am I putting this? It may not necessarily be more prevalent than beer, but you see it more in media. You know, people with wine cellars and stuff like that. Ah! Yep, Sherry's saying, enology. She's taking wine classes and workshops, or really interested in taking them. See, I I, I, I need to do some of that with beer. I need to get into some beer workshops. And uh, and the the rest with wine here, just little bits of health effects, you know, um... Little bits on storage, stuff like that. And then I'll get into those, the wine varieties, the infographics, stuff like that. And then I got a few other things that I may get into today. I got the new releases and reveals. I only got a few of them here. Uh, one new story that I may get into uh, from um, Ireland, some Guinness news. Arthur's Day in Ireland is facing some pushback because, I don't know, people are fucking pussies. So with that, I will be back very briefly here on Alcohol by Volume on morelikeradio.com. Alcohol by Volume! Morelikeradio.com, a new standard in internet radio. Tattoos and touchdowns. Mark out radio with Big T and Dark Fox. Masters of None. 360 on 420. The No Name Show. The Kazi and Kenny Show. It's Lust and Love Radio. Ham Radio. OSW Review. Antisocial Gamer Radio. Alcohol by Volume. This is Unsound with Jay It's time for Dutch and Royce. Sweet speakers with Lance and Kyle. Yay. Get ready. 
It's the Red Show. It's Daytime Divas with Marianne and Kitty. Welcome to the Gentleman Show. Welcome back to the Ellison Albert Show. This is the Fifth Circle. Radio Meltdown. Radio. The Nerd Hour. Uh, you're checking out the Cousin Joe Show on More Like Radio. Hey, listeners, yes, that means you. Missed your favorite More Like Radio shows live? No problem. Just go to morelikeradio.com slash downloads. That's morelikeradio.com slash downloads. More Like Radio's RSS feed works with your iThings, Zooms, Androids, Windows Phone, and anything else that can subscribe to an RSS feed. If you're so awesome that you only get your podcasts from iTunes, you can subscribe to our feed in iTunes by clicking the subscribe to iTunes link right on the downloads page. So what are you waiting for? Download More Like Radio podcasts and subscribe to our feed now. Yes, right now. Do it. MoreLikeRadio.com Because mean people need to laugh too. Hey, if you just pay attention, you might just learn something here. I'm sorry, I can't hear you over the sound of my giant throbbing erection. Ow! How about now? It's gone. Back to hour number two of Alcohol by Volume. I have no idea what the fuck was going on with my break before. Uh, but hopefully the podcast listeners will have no fucking clue what I am talking about because I'm going to be stealthy and um, not let them know what the fuck happened. Um, so, let me get back to wine here and not whine about my break. <laughs> As Mitch fucks with me in the chat trying to... Uh, kind of single white female me in there apparently, um, and I'm not that bad at GTA Five. Okay, yeah, I suck at GTA Five. Uh, I'm still playing though. So back to wine, vintages. So think about the year a wine is released. That's important to wine. So a vintage wine includes grapes from a particular year. The character of the wine can change from year to year. It can be affected by the grape harvest. Some higher quality wines can improve in flavor as they're aged. So, I mean, it, it, there are a lot of different variables for it. It's similar to some beers, how some years' releases are more desired than others. Some age well, some don't age well. You'll see there, there are, you know, with booze, there are similarities all over the fucking place. Um... A recent study suggests for the average wine drinker, someone like me, I'd gather, that vintage year might not be as significant for perceived quality, whereas wine connoisseurs will place a big, big importance on it. Um, I mean, for me, if somebody, I, I'm just, you know, going to throw, you know, oh, this is a um, oh, 75 cob, you know, whatever the fuck they're going to say. Um. I'm probably not going to be able to tell the difference. I'm not going to be able to tell the difference. I'm going to think, oh, he's he's hyping up the vintage on this. This must be good. I I, I got to I gotta look impressed. But, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of like that with beers where, you know, some people, 
you know, if they if they spend twenty five, thirty bucks on a bottle, it's almost like they're obligated to say, oh, yeah, this was fantastic. No, I've I've bought thirty dollar bottles that I'm like, I wish I hadn't bought that thirty dollar bottle. Um, even you know, Mitch says he he can't tell the difference between a year. Certain, I I I would gather maybe certain wines. If there was a very distinct difference in the harvest, you might be able to, like if you had them back to back, you might be able to tell the difference. But even then, I I don't I don't know if my palate's refined enough. It, and you, know, I'm again, Mitch saying in the chat, I, I'm totally with him on that. He said, "Fuck what everyone else says. I drink wine cold. I am the same way." Um. This is fucking blasphemy when it comes to wine, but I'll I'll drink red wine chilled. I like my wine cold. Um, and I know I'll get into this in a little bit, but in terms of temperature, white wines are supposed to be the chilled ones. Red ones are supposed to be more room temperature. You know, yes, I can drink a red wine at room temperature, and I'm fine with it. But I prefer it cold. I prefer it cold. And. You know, Mitch again. He's saying that he bought a fifty dollars Cabernet once, not as good as a two ninety nine bottles liquor store he buys all the time. And uh, I, I will totally agree with that. I, um, I know some of the bottles that I got from that wine club were amongst the pricier ones, and you know they even it out with cheaper ones. And sometimes you put them back to back. I, I, it didn't, it didn't make a difference to me. There was one that I used to get. Um, <laughs> I like that picture. And I know you you didn't you didn't set it up in your little studio kind of setup, but uh, ABV night at the Minnesota studios. It's a can of Guinness and a glass of wine. That is what I like to see. Um, but um, there was there was one that I used to get. I, I want to say it was like called Turtle Bay or something like that, and it was maybe six ninety nine a bottle, and I was more than happy with that. And oh, okay. Sherry just posted in the chat. This is Crow River. Yeah, Crow River. God damn it. Crow River Winery. I'm mixing words all over the place. It's a smoked garlic wine. Uh, it's out of Crow River Winery out of Hutchison, Minnesota. God damn. Um, let's see. Oh, okay. There is a link here. If anybody uh, listening to the podcast wants to check it out, crowriverwinery.com slash wine slash cooking dash wines. Um, says it's also very good just to dip gourmet breads in. See, that 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 is something that my wife would enjoy because she loves to dip breads, but she doesn't like wine. But that might work. And she's starting to get more into cooking wines too. Um even though I know I probably would not be able to find that out here, I'm going to keep my eye out for a smoked garlic wine now that I know that uh something like that exists. Jesus. She says uh, Minnesota has 42 wineries and about 52 winemaking licenses. Oh, like, ooh, out here, I know, like in Pennsylvania, I've seen a few wineries, New Jersey, a few, but Minnesota must really, really be big into the wine. Um, so let's see. Um, well, we were talking, you know, talking about the taste here, you know, smoked garlic wine. A lot of uh, complexities in the tasting process. Just like beer, you have all the you know different elements going into it. On the beer review sites, you look at the criteria that people really delve into. You get your aroma, your mouthfeel, your maltiness, your hoppiness, uh, your head color, stuff like that. Wine has a huge amount of these criteria and descriptors. 
I found a page on Wikipedia for this, and uh, there was there was too much going on with it. They had to split it up alphabetically, like A to C, D to H, I to P, uh, P, uh, R to Z. I mean, so just just a few random examples here. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to go for the obvious ones like acidic, um, alcoholic, haha, <laughs> me, a wine that has an out of balance presence of too much alcohol. You have your biscuity wine, and that's a that's a trait that you hear about some beers too. Or biscuity or bready, perhaps. Um, let's see, uh, wine descriptor often associated with Pinot Noir dominated champagne, a sense of yeasty or bread dough aroma and flavors. Um, a similar one, uh, like a buttery, a wine that's gone through ma- uh, malolactic fermentation, has a rich, creamy mouthfeel with flavors reminiscent of butter. Um, apparently, this is the thing, cat pee. An aroma often associated with Sauvignon Blanc, frequently present in Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand. Uh, let me get down later in the list here. Um, voluptuous, a wine with a full body and rich texture. Uh, soy sauce, a wine exhibiting the aroma of old soy sauce. Aged Bordeaux wines often exhibit such aroma. So there, there's a lot here. If, if you look on Wikipedia, just look up wine tasting descriptors. You're going to see how much there is for that. It's insane how many different things they have there. Um, wow. Let's see. Um, Mitch said uh, they went to a winery in uh, Wisconsin this past weekend. He didn't like any other wines. That That's happened to me before, too. And it always, it always feels kind of awkward, too, because you taste them and you're like, okay, let me try another one. Uh, okay, let me try another one. Okay, uh, I guess that's it. Let's go. And, you know, um, uh, I, I, I wish, I wish my wine, um, or like, ugh, let me get back into that. I wish my wife was more into alcohol. Well, then again, no, I have a built in designated driver. What am I saying? Um, but, it, I wish she could enjoy like wineries and breweries and stuff like that to the same level I do. I would actually feel bad dragging her to them. And yes, Marianne, I'll order you a set of those headphones I wear in Animal Crossing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know I should have them in my shop, uh, in my shop catalog. Always oh, comes back to Animal Crossing, doesn't it? Um, but uh, where the fuck was? Oh, yeah, okay, with um, tasting. So some wines suggest you know opening the bottle and letting it breathe for a couple hours. Uh, others suggest drinking immediately after opening them. So um, th- this goes further into decanting wines. Well, you put it into a decanter. Figure that out. Um, you know, it's a special container for the purposes of letting wine breathe. Now, decanting with a filter can remove bitter sediment from the wine. If you've ever poured a glass too quickly from the end of a bottle, you've gotten some of that sediment, and it's not exactly pleasant. I, you know, I've, I've gotten that with wines. I've gotten that with beer bottles, too. So again, another similarity. It's better for younger wines. You're supposed to relax the drink. It makes it smoother, better aroma, texture, flavoring. Um... There aren't always hard and fast rules for this. You know, your mileage may vary depending on your bottle, the variety, the age, things like that. 
and then you, you know you get your subtle individual flavors in wine. Um, it's a lot like different varieties of beer. Um, let me see here. What I was reading, seasoned tasters, they can identify specific grapes as well as flavors from oak casks in which the wine is aged. Chocolate, vanilla, coffee. Th- think of bourbon barrel aged beers and how that works. And in that, see, that's another thing. Like, like how how Mitch was saying, you know, can't necessarily you know place one vintage over another. I, I find it amazing that people have the palate to truly identify one grape over another. I'm trying to think if there's anything that I'm with like that. I mean, even even when it comes to beer, like if you put two pumpkin beers in front of me and say, okay, one of these is Southern Tier Pumpkin, one of them is, um, I'm trying I'm trying to think of one that is drastically different pumpkin beer, um. Ugh. Bob's Pumpkin Ale. Just coming up with one out of my ass. I may be able... I should be able to identify that because the flavors are so different there. But then if you place... I don't know. um, You know, two different brown ales from two different brewers in front of me. You know, your typical beer snob on Beer Advocate may very well be able to, you know, say, oh, yeah, I can, you know... You know, since you know the, it was, this was a you know different blend of hops used in here, and you know this is a different malt, and I don't know if my palate is just not refined enough for that stuff, or if I'm just not patient enough. I don't know, but I don't know. You know, if some some people have. Uh, oh damn it! Somebody planted more pitfall seeds in my neighborhood. Ah, ooh, looks like uh, Marianne and Sherry might be doing a. Uh, uh, like how me and Mitch did a beer trade, they might be doing a wine trade. Aha. See him spread spreading the love of the booze. Um let's see. Okay. You know how you get skunked smells in beer, you get uh infected traits in beer. You get some of that spoilage with wine too. Some spoilage odors are classified and when I read this I'm like, ugh. They're classified as sweaty, barnyard, which I might classify some IPAs as, uh, band-aid, and rotten egg. And like I said, it, it it's the, you know, it, it's equatable to a skunked or infected beer, basically. Um, when you see somebody twirling the wine glass around, they're not just trying to look like a dick. There actually is a purpose to it. The aroma in a wine it comes from those like volatile compounds released into the air. Twirling the wine glass will accelerate those compounds being released. You know, as simple as that. Um, what I mentioned before, the serving temperatures, this is where people get really, really, really fucking picky with the stuff. Now, white wine is typically supposed to be more chilled or at cellar temperature around 55 degrees. Red wines are supposed to be best served at room temperature, around 70 degrees. And then the more you get into specific types, the more picky people get with it. Pinot Noir, it's supposed to be brought to the table at 60 degrees, but ready for drinking at 65. Cabernet Sauvignon, served at 65 degrees, but then it warms on the table up to 70 degrees for the best aroma. 
I don't have the patience for that. Um, I'm I'm lucky if I can get my beer into the fridge long enough to chill. Half the time, there will be. T- I'll, I'll go to the liquor store, and if the beer I want is not in the cooler, I will actually buy that beer that's not in the cooler. But then I will deliberately seek out another beer that is cold, just so I have beer to drink when I get home. And admitting that, that is probably the sign of an alcoholic, but I will just ignore that for now. Um, collecting wine. Just like people collect beers, people collect wine. You hear about wine cellars and everything. If you got the money in the room to do this, wine collecting might be for you. Depending on the vineyard and the vintage, some bottles will sell in the thousands of dollars. When people say fine wine, they're usually talking, on average between 30 to $50 a bottle. So what makes a wine collectible? It's a proven track record for holding up over time. There's a drinking window plateau that's many years long, basically meaning there's a longer duration that you're going to be able to crack open that bottle and it's going to taste good. Um, there's a consensus among experts as to the wine's quality. Of course, that's subjective as fuck. And, uh, I don't trust experts half the time anyway because, you know, experts can be dicks. And often they're self-proclaimed. So, you know, who says they really know what they're talking about? And then, of course, rigorous production methods at every stage. Grape selection, barrel aging, stuff like that. And keeping the quality control going. If somebody can consistently provide good quality, you know, it, it, it's worthy of collecting and everything. Um, as with any collection, there are scammers out there that are going to try and screw over the less knowledgeable and or gullible when it comes to wine. Um, they'll try and tout an off vintage as a better vintage than a certain one. You know, if you're into vintages, um, I'm not, I'm not even necessarily talking about, you know, refilling bottles with, you know, shit wine, stuff like that. You know, they're just, that I would say might even take too much effort on their part. The top wine producers in the world, Italy, France, Spain, U.S., and Argentina. The top wine drinkers in the world, France, Portugal, Italy, and Croatia. Yeah, I don't know. Obviously, France likes their wine. Uh, Now, cooking with wine. It's usually used as the flavor agent in stocks and braising. The acidity works with usually like rich, savory dishes or sweet dishes. Depends on what you're doing. Uh, We here in my house, we have a tendency to do that more often. I started out with cooking sherry. Um, did it with um, uh, chicken and string beans. Just it worked beautifully. Uh, provided a very just a very nice flavor. My, my wife started doing it with different white wines, just trying to go for different flavors there. We have no idea what the hell we're technically doing most of the time, whether we're even picking the right wine for what we're doing. Usually it comes out tasting good, so we don't really care too much. Um, there are a lot of ties with the religion. I mean, th- think about the Eucharist and Christianity. And then you have your health effects of wine. Now, wine seems to be one of those things that always pops up in news pieces and whatnot, touting different health benefits. There are some studies behind it, but I mean, usually what you see in the news is like, well, doctors say now a glass of wine a day will kill you. And then, you know, of course, you know, the next week, 
All different doctors say a glass of wine a day will stop you from dying. Little things like that. But, like I said, Mitch, that is goddamn good cooking with beer. I remember you mentioned that on um, on Facebook, and I have no idea exactly what that is. I, the The word that you used was unfamiliar to me in terms of uh, in terms of uh, culinary cuisine. Um, shit, where was I? Health of uh, the health effects of wine. Yes. Okay, so there are some some studies with that. It's, it's, it's yeah. Why do I try? Why do I? Ugh. It's like it's like uh, Big A trying to use. Um, what was it? ST words, I think. Oh, okay. It's like a potato pancake, basically. Okay. That looks goddamn good. Oh, see, now I'm hungry. I think I want Taco Bell. I know it's not quite the same, but, you know, yeah, better, better than a Baconator for me. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be good. And Cornax isn't here to uh, to kind of egg me on. So, statistically, it's associated with a decrease in heart disease. This study was actually especially backed in France, they have a low incidence of heart disease despite high levels of saturated fats in their diets. I mean, look look at French cooking and it kind of tells you that. The scientific evidence of it's limited, though. Correlation doesn't equal causation. Um, ooh, pasta with bacon and shrimp in tomato. See, I, 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 love, I love how this show always, always gets back into food. Now, to be, to be fair, I, I did kind of egg it on going into cooking with wine a little bit, but goddamn. And Sherry says this recipe here, her favorite recipe that cooks with white wine. It's a pasta with bacon and shrimp in tomato. Uh, I think if you want to do a Google search for it, do uh, the-savvy-kitchen.com and look for that. Oh, God. See, now I want to do some cooking. Ah. Um, another study in 2008 suggested that red wine decreases the risk of lung cancer in men. I don't know how that's possible, but okay. There are conflicting studies, too. Wine made from the Cabernet Sauvignon grape is supposed to reduce risk of Alzheimer's, but a subsequent study found that among alcoholics, at least, wine damages the hippocampus to a greater degree than other alcoholic beverages. So, when it comes down to it, might as well enjoy yourself. We're all going to get cancer from something anyway. Um... Sulfites in wine can create adverse reactions. My first interaction with the word sulfite was when I was probably five. My asthma back then was not totally under control. I had a medic alert bracelet that mentioned sulfites on it. And I always remembered that wine had sulfites in it and that if I had those sulfites... I could die. Now, that might have been a bit of an overreaction, but I do remember this. And, you know, Sherry has this perfectly right. Pluto isn't a planet. Wine is bad for you. Scientists are stupid and don't know what they're talking about. For the most part, they they contradict each other all the goddamn time. So, I, you know what? We, we you know, th- this might get a little philosophical here. We live one life. We might as well enjoy what the fuck we're doing. Yeah, I'm you know trying to slim my waistline down a little bit, but I'm still I'm still enjoying my beer. I'm still enjoying the foods that I like every so often. Yeah, I'm also stuck at work for you know every waking hour. But after this show, goddammit, I'm playing some Grand Theft Auto and enjoying myself. Mm. But yeah, when it comes to you know health effects of certain things, just don't overdo it. 
don't overdo it. That's all. That's all you can really you know think about. Um. So let's see the last you know last few pieces here. When you think of wine, the packaging, the bottle, the bottle is a big part of the wine. Most wines, I say most, are sold in glass bottles sealed with corks. Some manuf- yeah. Some manufacturers, they've started using screw caps, which, I don't know, seem kind of ghetto to me. Synthetic plastic corks also, which, not as bad. And also, wine in thick plastic bags sold in boxes. Yes, the classy boxed wine with the spigot built in. Why do you even need a glass? Just stick your head under the spigot and drink, drink, drink. <sighs> my, uh... I know my mom has bought that uh, boxed wine. I know my mother-in-law buys that boxed wine. Or she'll buy the big jugs of the wine. I I tend to be more of a straight-up bottle kind of thing. Sherry says she gets mad about screw tops. Yeah. And I, I, I don't I I don't know if the screw top necessarily affects the quality of the wine. Sherry says she likes collecting the corks. There is something satisfying about opening a wine bottle when you get that pop from the cork. I even get that from beers that I open that are corked. There's something satisfying about, you know, it almost feels like an achievement, like, you know, yes, I've I've released this flavor. You know, it, it is going to escape into my mouth. Um... Oh, a backsplash with wine corks. That is nice. See, that, see, I, I, I love, I, I'm not, I'm not a crafty person, but there is something, there is something about, and I, I could go on about this too. There is something about crafting with wine materials. You got your corks, you got your bottles. I mean, you can make, your sconces on the wall with the bottles. You know, very easy to cut a wine bottle if you know what you're doing. So much stuff you can do with the corks. I know I've seen tables crafted with um, glass tops and just the inlay is all corks. Um, oh, and Sherry just posted a picture in the chat of a backsplash with all corks. That is beautiful. That oh, I don't know. I don't know how to have the patience to do that. Um, and th- that admittedly looks classier than doing a backsplash out of, uh, beer caps. You know, just saying. Um, now I'm looking at that one, let's see, that, the lamp, I'm trying to figure out if that's, I'm assuming that's a wine bottle and not a beer bottle, but you could easily do that with the beer bottle too. I mean, so much, so much, you know, crafting, I mean, I guess, I guess I need to get on Pinterest again and look up some of that stuff. But there, there's so much crafting you could do aside from, you know, just, you know, drinking the beer and wine and leaving it at that. So much you can do with the bottles. So much you can do with the caps. So much you can do with the corks. And it's not, I mean, if, if I guess it would be different if you just went out and bought a bunch of corks. That, it's not the same. It's not the same. If you're doing it with... Stuff that you have drank, you know, bottle caps, corks, there is a personal connection there. And that is awesome. Especially if it's in a place that you're going to be for a while. And if you think it might not be a place you're going to be for a while, well, 
you could probably, you know, rig it to make it a removable backsplash. You know, take the whole panel off, take it with you, deconstruct it, and put it in your new place. You know, stuff like that. But it, there, there's just that, that personal connection to it. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. Maybe it's just me. But I, I, I figure there are other people that feel that way too. Um, okay, so the last bit before I get into varieties, because I know I'm not going to have a uh, lot of time to... I'm, I'm probably not... Uh, I, I don't even think I'm getting into news stories today, which is fucking fantastic. This is like old school alcohol by volume. I love it. Um, storage. You get your wine cellars. You know, typically what you think of, oh, that is awesome. Sherry's posting pictures of, uh, let's see, on the mantle there. Oh, I see pictures of Mitch and Sherry. So cute. Um, now I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to identify how those, um, how those bottles are modified. And I'll, I'll wait for, for Sherry to, to mention that. But, um, storage, wine cellars, blah, blah, blah. You got two different types. You get your active wine cellar where the temperature and humidity are maintained by climate control systems. That's, you know, kind of new school thinking with it. But then you have passive. It's not climate controlled. They have to be carefully located. Think, you know, a wine cellar in the basement. That is traditionally what you think of there, not your whole climate control thing. I mean, it's, you know, carved out, carved out of the dirt and everything. Okay. Sherry said she wrapped the bottles in jute twine and sealed it with hot glue. That's very cool. I like that. That's that's awesome. And they spell out love. Some people might think that's sappy, but I think it's actually really cool. But I'm, I'm into... <laughs> Sherry says it looks like a shrine. Are you going to dismember Mitch at some point? And if you do, can we watch? <laughs> Please. Um, <laughs> no, that's really cool, though. I, I like that kind of stuff. Um, let's see. Okay, I have, uh, wine varieties. Wine varieties. Um, so, I got this from Sherry, because Sherry is awesome and knows what she is talking about. And thankfully, this doesn't, this doesn't go too, too deep. It goes just enough. Really, when it comes down to it, you have your three varieties of wine. You have your reds, your whites, and your pinks. Now, I learned something about the pinks that I did not know before. Previously, I thought that pink wines were kind of more on the white spectrum, but, this is going to sound stupid, had a touch of red wine kind of in it. Not, not that basic, but, you know, kind of that idea. Just shows how much I know. So, um, what it actually is with pink wines, that blush comes from leaving the red skin in contact with the grape until it takes on a pink color. I did not know that. Um, because really, I mean, you only have red and white grapes, so you don't have, you know, pink grapes. On this page, let's see, it's from uh, allaboutwine.net. They say to understand to help you understand the different types of wine, you need to understand some terms. Body means the feel of a sip of wine in your mouth. Okay, um, that you could probably equate that to mouth feel in terms of beer. Um, a combination of the tannin amount, the fruit concentration, and alcohol content typically yeah, 
typically described as light, medium, or full-bodied. Okay, fair enough. It's, you know, kind of like you, th- you think a stout is more full-bodied, you know, things like that. Dry in wine conversation refers to the opposite of sweetness. We're not talking bitter or sour here. We're talking about away from sweet. So wines are usually described as dry, medium dry, very dry, and sweet. Medium sweet and very sweet. So a dry wine is the closest to sweet. A very dry wine is the furthest from sweet. That makes sense to you. That makes sense to me now, and I I know a little bit more going there. Um, ah! <laughs> a lot of characters in the chat. It's okay, Sherry. I do that all the time. I see refer. Oh, uh, what's that? Turning leaf. Uh, I see red something. Refresh turning leaf. Also under five. Okay, you know if it's a wine under five dollars, I can get behind that. Uh, and I know I know I can find turning leaf. Turning leaf is a more common. Um, was it refresh? See, I'm writing. I'm writing stuff down here. I'm writing stuff down here because I. Want I want to find wines that I like. Red Moscato. Thank you. Red Moscato. See, I'm going to go out shopping for wine this weekend. Ha ha. Going to turn me into a wino. Okay. So, red varieties here. Mm, let's see. We have the... I, I, I think I'm going to pronounce these correct for the most part because, you know, I, I have a little bit of a background, I suppose, in this. Um... Beaujolais, it's a light-bodied, or I'm sorry, light-medium-bodied wine, typically fruity and medium-dry. From what I remember, I do like Beaujolais. Uh, Bordeaux, a medium-full-bodied wine, can be any level of the dry scale, so you know, go, goes across the board there. Cabernet Sauvignon, a medium-full-bodied wine that can be either dry or medium-dry. Chianti, with some nice fava beans, um, can be full, medium, or light-bodied, and either dry or medium-dry. Um, let's see, Grenache, uh, a light-bodied, uh, I'm sorry, fuck, keep skipping ahead in words. A light-medium-bodied wine, and either dry or medium-dry. Dolcetto, a light-medium-bodied wine, typically medium-dry. Uh, Merlot. Can be full, medium, or light-bodied, and usually dry to medium-dry. Pinot Noir, a light-medium-bodied wine in any level of the dry scale. And then Shiraz, a.k.a. Syrah. Uh, I guess that depends on what region you're in and how you're going to pronounce it. Uh, Can be full, medium, or light-bodied, and either dry or medium-dry. And then the last one of the reds, the Zinfandel, a medium-full-bodied wine in either dry or medium-dry. Ooh, Rex Goliath Sauvignon Blanc. Let me write this one down. To, see, I'm, I'm, and, and I, I totally agree with you, Sherry. Like, rarely buying wine over ten to twelve dollars. It's, um, I'm pronouncing it right, Mitch. I'm just drunk. Sauvignon, Sauvignon. Um, let's see. Where was I writing? Giant forty-seven pound rooster. That is a large, large cock. I bet you somebody's going to isolate that, aren't they? Um, Sauv Blanc. Okay. Jeez, I'm taking notes. It's like a class. Uh, Mitch spit Shiraz on our white carpet once. I got it out! Was it with OxyClean? Uh. <laughs> oh, it spilt, not spit. Sorry. 
Oh, I don't know why I was saying he spit. Sauvignon. Sauvignon. Come on, I'm, you know, uh, I'm, pr- I'm pronouncing <laughs> Mitch kicked it over. Oh, a Mitch. Okay. Uh, the white wines here, these, uh, pronunciate, well, there's one pronunciation here that's gonna throw me off. Chardonnay, of course. Full bodied, uh, full medium bodied wine that can meet any level of the driest scale. I know, Chardonnays I've had have always been typically very sweet. Not, not my feeling. Um, uh, Chenin Blanc, which I'm not familiar with before this. A light medium bodied wine can be medium dry to sweet or medium sweet. And this is the one that's gonna throw me off. Uh, Giverts Tramenier. <laughs> German. A full medium bodied wine can be medium dry at any level of sweetness. Tends to be a spicy flavor. Now that, I, I like it when you get an unexpected flavor like that in there. Pinot Grigio, medium light bodied wine, typically dry or medium dry. Riesling, full medium bodied wine that can be any level of sweetness. Um, Sauvignon Blanc, uh, light medium bodied wine, um, to dry and medium dry. And, uh, let's see, that's Viona. Uh, it can be any level of body, any level of dry. So that's, wow, that's like pretty much anywhere with that. And then, of course, the pinks. So the term rosé has been used widely as a description for the wines that are pink in color, usually represent a sweeter rather than drier wine. Wines like white Bordeaux, white Zin, uh, I'm sorry, white Zinfandel are examples of rosés. Okay, so there you go. Um, other types of wine, they get into sparkling wines. Champagne is the most well-known, but there's also brute, extra dry, sec, demi-sec. Uh, typically, the body of sparkling wine is light, and the dry to sweet level is from uh, champagne, which is very dry, to demi-sec, which is sweet. Then you get your fortified wine, one of them we talked about before, sherry. There's also port. These wines, they're fortified with natural grape brandy. So it's a combination there. Uh, the brandy's added makes the main difference between them. For port, the brandy's added... Um, I'm sorry, I misread that there. When the brandy is added makes the main difference between them. For port, the brandy's added during the fermentation. This stops the fermentation in mid-process, results in a sweeter wine. With sherry, the brandy is added after the full fermentation has occurred. That means there are five different types of sherry from Manzanilla and Fino, which are dry to cream, which is sweet. Um, so that kind of gives you an idea. Damn, Mitch and Sherry know their wine. Whew. Mm. I am very, very impressed with their knowledge. Very impressed. Um, now, now I'm actually scared that they might do a... a, a wine show to compete with my show and then I'll kind of feel like Dark Fox with you know other wrestling shows coming on and trying to edge him out um I guess the last bit I will do on the show today let me make sure I have that bookmarked stuff that Sherry posted in chat there this is the wine infographics um a lot of great stuff on on here um, I will probably post these uh, uh, post this link on the Facebook group later. Um, let's see. Okay, so there's one uh, beginner's guide to wine, uh, general stats about wine, basic info for describing and identifying wines. It, it goes into tannins, 
um, alcohol content, which glass a certain wine is supposed to go into. There was a period where I would be at Bed Bath and Beyond, and I would see like, oh, they have you know this set with you know four different wine glasses, and I, I I should get the. I just started drinking them out of regular glasses, you know, regular wine glasses. I, 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 I didn't get too picky with that. I even, I even kind of do that. I, I was doing that very briefly with beers. I mean, I'll still drink my Guinness out of the Guinness uh, uh, pint glass, um, but I don't necessarily have to drink, you know, a stout out of a nonic pint and stuff like that. Um, ah, okay. Also posting uh, mead in uh, in the chat, uh, honey wine. In fact, there was a um, there was a mead producer at the uh, at the beer festival from uh, Michigan, um, Bee Nectar. Uh, they do they do a few different kinds of mead there. Oh, Mitch breaks Sherry's wine glasses, <laughs> and that, that's the quote of the show. Wine glasses are all the same to me. Breakable. That's pretty much what happened to mine. I, I had a few from different wineries and I think they have all ended up shattered at some point in time from my wife. Um, I think I have maybe one or two wine glasses left. I got to a point where I was just drinking wine out of, well, anything I had to drink them in pretty much. Um, meat, meat is one of those things that I, I never necessarily got into. Um, Ooh, but Sherry says she has a recipe for homemade meat. Now, okay, homemade meat, I, I will get all over that. I've had a couple from Bee Nectar. One of them, it was the, um, what was it? It was the, the zombie killer cherry mead. Pretty good. Pretty good. I guess it, sometimes it depends on the flavor. And yeah, Mitch, I, I don't break my beer glasses, but my wife has broken my beer glasses. I've had a few of those smashed on me. I don't know if it was on purpose or not. Uh, let me get back to this infographic. Uh, there was actually another one. I don't. I don't think. Actually, I don't know if Sherry senses me. I can't remember. It's, it's drink wine on a budget, but I might get into that at a later date. So, uh, a question of taste. It shows the proper way to taste wine and a little bit about the anatomy of grapes. It really goes into the whole from serving it. You know how it's poured to visual appreciation of it, like looking at the wine, tilting the glass and everything. Um, aroma appreciation, I will admit, I do that with beers pretty frequently now, just a habit. And then in-mouth sensations. Um, you know, gen- generally the taste. Um, another one on here, different types of wine, how they're related, the taxonomy of wine. This is actually very similar to a chart on beer that I posted months and months ago going into um, branching out the different types of beer. This one does the exact same thing with wine. It is fucking brilliant. And you have your you have your main um your main junction points on here. You have your red, your white, your rosé, your sparkling wine and your fortified wine. And everything kind of branches out from there. There's another one that's similar on here. Um this one branches out from red, rosé, Sherry, white, and blend. So, kind of get the same idea there. Um, then another infographic here that just deals with French wine. <laughs> so I think that's daunting enough on its own. This one I rather liked. It's a... Um, 
what is it? Um, fuck, I, I forget the name of it. Uh, flowchart, flowchart on how to choose a bottle of wine. Branches off everywhere. Uh, you know, I, I will, I will choose a bottle of wine here. So, personal use. Yes. Um, am I at home? Yes. Alone. Um, I'll say yes because my wife doesn't really drink wine. Okay. Recovering from work. Yes. So that uh, stems me to a Pinot Noir. Now, if I'm not recovering from work, but I'm just getting drunk, well, it might go for a Zinfandel or a Shiraz. Um, if I'm not feeling like getting drunk and I'm feeling fancy, um, I should go for a uh, San, San Giovese or Grenache. Um, <laughs> so, oh, geez, I see three liter box wine in there somewhere. Nice. Very, very nice. See, I, I love these kind of things. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna post this in the Facebook group. I'll probably post this in there tomorrow because, uh, well, I have, I have some editing to do for the podcast, uh, for the, for the ugh, failed break. Oof, oof. Um, uh, pairing wine and food, uh, kind of, eh, I don't know. It looks a little bit complicated at first. A lot of lines going over, but it goes into, uh, vegetables, roasted vegetables, soft cheese, hard cheese, starches, Fish, rich fish, white meat, red meat, uh, cured meat, and sweets. And then there's another one here uh, for pairing food and wine flavors for mealtime magic. Um, for a Syrah, um, food suggestions, anything with cumin, harissa, Chinese five spice, any other heavy spices, Sauvignon Blanc, going for like salads with vinaigrettes, fish or chicken dishes with citrus sauces, um, that sounds fucking good. Pinot Grigio, white flesh fishes, or uh, with no or light sauce. Um, wow, that's that is a long one too. Another food and wine pairing guide. This one's um, kind of like that chart with uh, stuff branches out. Um, it shows like Pinot Noir with uh, certain icons surrounding it of food, Chardonnay, certain things surrounding it. Um. Where in the world does wine come from? I, I mentioned a bit, you know, like the top wine producers. It's showing Argentina, South Africa, Australia, America, um, in terms of you know how much they produce. How the wine bottling process works. This has a you know nice nice image that goes through the whole you know bottles to you know washing the bottles and injection of nitrogen and argon, removing the oxygen from the bottle that can ruin the wine. Um, you know, in, uh, pouring the wine into the bottle, inserting the cork, you know, going through like that. There's another great one on here, how to make wine. I don't think I would ever uh, be confident enough to do this. I, I have enough problems making beer, but, you know, it goes goes through the whole process, 22-step process, including, you know, waiting for years and then drinking. Um. Let's see. Uh, do turning water and energy into wine, and then uh, it's kind of more of an environmental thing going on there. A toast to wine, uh, unlocking the numbers between America's love of wine. Um, and you know, charts, numbers. You know, if you're in, if you're into numbers and stuff like that. Um, so a lot of a lot of different, uh, just. Different amounts of information here, different kinds of information. So a, pretty much anything you could want to know about wine in the form of an infographic, 
you're probably going to find it here. And again, I'll post the Facebook group, if not tonight, probably tomorrow morning, hopefully when the podcast is up. Um, let's see here. You know what? Um, I got a few minutes here, so I'm not going to get news stories today. It's been an all wine fest today, but a little bit of beer here. I will give you the new releases and reveals. So we got one from Founders here. I don't know how wide a release this is getting, but it's the Founders Sweet Repute. And I do have an image here. I just got to go through all my tabs because I got to skip through a bunch of shit. Uh, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, and like Mitch said, with um, <laughs> okay, yeah, I I figured um, white equals chicken, red equals beef. Even though he said red equals chicken, red equals beef. <laughs> but yeah, I mean that's and that's usually the way I see it. Uh, white white wine, chicken, fish, stuff like that. And red wine, beef. I, I guess you can do white with um with pork too. Um, I guess. Uh, but anyway, uh, let me post this in here in the chat. Uh, Sweet Repute. It's part of their backstage series, their eighth installment. It's a wheat wine aged in maple syrup bourbon barrels, which sounds like it would impart a really nice flavor to it. 100% barrel aged over 16 months. It's releasing in December. Again, I don't know the extent of the release i hope i see this because i would like to try it um and i mean this you know it's a wheat wine so it it strays from the beer this one's 13 percent alcohol but yeah i can't even say the goddamn name of my show 13 percent alcohol by volume so that's this is a fucking high one it pours bright with a nutty aroma um let's see just making sure I have other stuff uh, queued up here. Okay. Um, Elevation Beer Company, Inconceivable Double IPA. When you hear the word inconceivable, you probably think of one movie, and you would be correct in thinking that this is a nod to that particular movie. Yes, The Princess Bride. Uh, check out the label if you're in the chat. If not, look it up. Elevation Beer Company, Inconceivable. It's an oak-aged imperial IPA. It's aged in fresh Kentucky oak barrels. Fresh meaning that nothing has been brewed or fermented or whatever in in them. They're, I mean, they're completely virgin, just like Cornax. 8.5% alcohol by volume. 750 milliliter bottles coming out this month. If you are in the distribution area for Elevation Beer Company, you will see this. And then from the New Holland Cellar series, the Incorrigible White Sour Ale. I like my sours. This is one, if I can find it, I'm going to pick it up without a doubt. I do get New Holland out here. I do get some of the more limited releases sometimes, so hopefully I'll find this one. It's an American Wild Ale, oak-aged, motherfucker. It's expected to be sessionable in terms of its alcohol by volume level. They haven't determined that yet, but we'll find out eventually. Um, wild yeast and bacteria in a wheat beer. Supposed to give it that sour pucker. Arrivals to be determined, but it'll be in 750 milliliter bottles. So that is the new releases and reveals for the week. Um, of course, you know that you know that, that, that that's it for the week overall. This was a completely wine-related show, except for the uh, bits at the beginning, little bits at the end. 
Hopefully you learned a little bit. I know in researching, I did a lot of stuff I didn't know. Um, stuff I'm a little bit more interested in. Stuff I'm going to look for when I buy my next bottle of wine. Um, so I'll post some of this stuff on the Facebook page so you can check it out for yourself. Especially the infographics. So check out what we're talking about first in the Facebook group. Facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. And of course, be sure to like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. Tell your friends to like the page. Please, please, please follow me on Twitter at EDICIUS or the show Twitter at MLR underscore alcohol. Look me up on untapped alcohol by volume. All one word. Follow at more like radio on Twitter. Coming up next, unsigned hype with Sir Darkside followed by Dutch and Royce. I will see you guys next week. Have a good one.